I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. So down on LZ with you here on 710 ESPN on a Friday. Hope everyone is winding down their weekend and enjoying it and are getting ready to enjoy it responsibly, of course. It is National Red Wine Day. We will have, uh, in about 15 minutes, a uh, we're going to give you 10 red wines and some food pairings for you to take into the weekend for National Red Wine Day. Clint Yates joins us here of The Undefeated. He's done some fantastic work, as he always does, uh, this week. You can check it out at The Undefeated's website, undefeated.com. Uh, Clint Yates, it is National Red Wine Day. Are you a nas- uh, excuse me, a red wine connoisseur? Dog, I have serious beef with LZ right now. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. I just want you to understand that. First of all, and as a side personal note, LZ did not answer a text message of mine that was very important earlier in this week, so this is probably fueling oh, no. this. So don't worry about that. But let me tell you something. I'm about to respond right now. I've been up since 6 a.m. talking to various networks and shows across the nation. You know what I'm saying? And across North America, because I started in Canada, doing work. You know how it is some days, George, you're going through the car wash. You know what I'm saying? You're doing a lot of things. Something you did hit heavy. And next thing you know, you're talking all day. I said, okay, you know, maybe I'm going to have to relax at the end of the day. And when I relax, I like to relax with a glass of red wine. You know what kind of red wine I like to relax with? Malbec. Malbec. Okay. So don't talk to me, LZ, because you don't talk to me anyway about a lovely Argentinian situation. All right. And let me explain to you reason number two why Malbec is tremendous. Because sometimes when you walk into places, and depending on who you're with, people like to judge you based on what you order. We talked about French 75s a while back in terms of the side brunch menu item that you order on the drink menu that lets people know that you know what's going on and you're not a basic. Okay? When you're in the cocktail hour, I go Greyhound. I like this because it sounds good and it's simple to make. But when I'm drinking wine and people start testing me on my nonsense, I say, I'll have a Malbec. I'm say, oh, okay. Because it sounds fancy and different. He knows what he's doing. And it's typically available. So don't get at me about no Malbec is trash. Very versatile combo guard wine is Malbec. Thank you. That's it. You you know what Malbec is? Malbec is the Jeff Green of red wines. Oh, no. So wait a second. If we're going to do this right. Uncle Jeff, Jeff, by the way, is from the District of Columbia area. So thank you very much. And he's a Hoya. I will take that as a compliment. I mean, but he's also a guy that at every stop, and there's been like 10 of them, we thought this would be the one where it would work and click. And then he has like games where you're like, man, he's a baller. And then you realize, yeah, he just doesn't do this regularly enough. And if that's Malbec... If that's your description of Malbec, LZ, that's not a that's not a compliment. It's a nope. glass on the road and a bottle at home. That's what Malbec is. <laughs> nah. All right, right bro. Uh, you go you ahead and get back with the Malbec. <laughs> Next time, if you want to impress somebody, say Carmen, yeah. And make okay. sure you go, yeah. Je parle français, LZ. <laughs> so you got to say it right because your boy knows how to do it. Anyway, let's talk about right. some hoops. Let's talk about some hoops. What's um, up, man? Yeah. I'm good, man. I'm just watching people in the bubble, you know, and the story I wrote for The Undefeated, you know, somebody hit me and they said, wow, this is a very humanist perspective, which comes naturally to me because 
you know, working in this business, and you guys both know this, you know so many people more than just the ones that are on TV or seen the most on TV. And so you talk to all these people and you can feel their level of stress, their level of mental strain. And they're not even the ones that are forced to express it necessarily on the air. So when I see a doc, I see a, a George Hill, I see a PG talking about how bad they feel. And on top of that, everybody I know down there is stressed out. I'm like, yo, yeah, come on, man. We know what's going on. Y'all just need a day off, maybe three. You know, and I understand all the other things that came up. I understand that that triggered a lot of different situations in terms of people's minds and what they needed to do. But I didn't need a bunch of plans and execution. It was obvious to me these dudes just needed to chill for a bit. And Chris Paul said as much today, and I'm glad they did it. I'm glad they came back. I'm glad they did it. I'm okay with all of this in terms of the order of operations. Yeah, look, I, I think that the thing that LZ and I got most uh, annoyed about it is probably the best way. Or No, look, maybe more than annoyed. I mean, I was, I was not happy with it. LZ was furious with it, with it was the reporting that came out uh, that Chris Paul was upset that when they did their straw poll this week, and they, they've done such great work, and Chris has done a lot of heavy lifting, and he deserves a lot of credit. But apparently he was apoplectic when he, they did their straw poll of how many people are registered to vote. And it was only 20%. Um, now, the league and the Players Association are going to try to rectify that. But apparently, Doc went off on guys. Chris went off on guys. And be like, we, what are we doing here then? Like, what, what, why are we making all these uh, efforts if you're not even registered to vote? And, and I feel like that was disappointing. But I am glad, Clinton, that it looks like that's going to get remedied. And, LZ, let me ask you this. You know how it is sometimes where, quite frankly, black folks get together and y'all got a problem solved. People got to talk to each other. People got to take the time to air it out. So those conversations, as disappointing as that number might be, or all these rumors about LeBron getting up and walking out of rooms just like the GIF, all that stuff has to happen. You know what I mean? In order for people to feel like they're in the right place. That's why I keep talking about the order of operations. You can't just expect people to all of a sudden have a solution instantly to everything. That's a generational problem. These guys needed to just take a step back and look at what they wanted to do and maybe yell at each other. And ain't nothing wrong with that when you're a bunch of grown men in the same place for the same reason. No, there's not. And, you know, we need to make sure that we don't blow up these little disagreements or even big disagreements larger than what they really are. You know, show me a room full of rich men and I'll show you arguments, right? Yep. Like everyone's got an ego. Everyone's got an agenda. That can't, that doesn't mean that you can't eventually reach your compromise, but you got to work through these things. And especially when it pertains to issues of social justice and trying to do things to make things more equal for people. You know, as a double minority myself, I can tell you that I have bared witness to similar sort of fights in regards to LGBTQ equality, where you got one facet that wants something and another one wants something else, and there's fighting, there's screaming, there's ugly things being said. You all want the same thing, but you don't agree on how to get there. And this is part of the process. And the same thing, obviously, when it comes to racial equality. I've been present. I've seen people go at each other in communities that I've been in grassroots organizations and we're all trying to do the same thing. Might just be trying to get new books to kids and everyone doesn't agree and there's yelling and fighting and sometimes there's name calling, but that's because there's passion there. You should be more concerned if you had a meeting of that capacity, Clinton, mm -hmm. and uh, everybody was just like mumbling and there wasn't any passion because mm -hmm. people were indifferent. I think that would have been worse. 
Right, George, this is basic local politics. That's what this is, and that's fine. You know yeah. what I mean? That's what the civic process is to me in terms of the sort of internal structure of what the bubble is between the players, the people there, and, of course, the organizations themselves. You mentioned LeBron and all the stories about LeBron. I know Stephen A. today was on first take talking about how some of the younger guys in the room were turned off by LeBron and his positioning uh, during all of this and, and him waiting to the end of the owner's meeting to talk and basically just reiterating everything that had already been agreed upon. And I found that to be fascinating because not so much because of the reporting aspect of it, because I know there's been a million reports about all this stuff, but in this regard, and LZ and I talked about this before the show, is that there comes a time in all our lives where even though we have all had moments of, hey, we, we stand for something and we're at the forefront of something. And, but there is always a younger, hungrier lion coming and doesn't believe that you're being effective enough. And it feels like LeBron has hit that much like anyone else would in any other walk of life. I mean, OK, but like, I mean, OK, who, who, who going to test LeBron? Go ahead, player. Give, give that a rip. <laughs> good, good plan there. Trying yeah. to upend LeBron in the bubble in 2020 when he's a member of the Lakers. If this is what you think is your time to sort of tune out, well, then maybe you weren't part of the solution to begin with. I mean, that's kind of how I feel about that. And I'm not saying that I agree with everything LeBron did, not by a mile. You know, I didn't even necessarily think that what happened was the smartest decision in the time had I known what the solution was going to be. Cats were talking about, we shut down a whole season. We ain't doing this. We ain't doing that. I'm like, whoa, guys, why don't you just, just calm down for a second? And then, and I don't mean calm down because what you're saying is ridiculous. I'm saying because y'all are obviously emotional. So I, I get it. You know, in the moment, things go back and forth. People don't necessarily trust each other. But, I mean, if you don't trust LeBron James, who else do you trust on earth? I, I, guy's been perfect since he was 15 years old. Sorry. I, yeah, he's the leader right now, you know? And I, I just, for me, like, I don't have a problem with the fact that not everybody agrees. I don't have a problem with the fact that people are going back and forth. I don't even necessarily have a problem with the fact that they didn't have any clear particular plan when they walked away from the game. Because that's sometimes just what you got to do, you know? And the fact that they got the break, the fact that we're coming back, the fact that there has been something done in coalition between the NBA and the Players Association to me means that it made sense they made the right move they came together they put their heads together and they kept their heads i'm impressed flatly you know i i'm 100 with you in terms of well my biggest thing honestly is the leaking of this type of information about whether it's about lebron or patrick beverly or michelle roberts like all these conflicting reports like they're interesting wrinkles but we can't get consumed with them like they're the story right they're not the story the story is still about what the league is doing to try to make effective change outside of the bubble. And to me, the secondary aspect of the story is, you know, reportedly upwards of 80% of the league isn't registered to vote. Like right. those two issues to me are the ones that need the most attention. The gossip girl aspect of this meeting, while it may make for, you know, good giggles, shouldn't be considered a big story, even though I appreciate the reporting that was done to get us that information. But ultimately, we can't get distracted by it just because it's salacious. That makes sense. But George, let me ask you, does the gossip girl element to you matter on the level of the basketball? Because it does to me. If Paul George says, I've been out of it for three games because I just couldn't get it together, I don't want to equate mental health issues with gossip girl, but I'm just saying in the context of non-bubble related matters in terms of outside of it, 
I think it matters, LZ, for me on that regard because George, you be you you, you stand courtside. You know, when guys are out of it, they're out of it. Yeah. And if the basketball is getting affected, or it was, that's why it interests me how the particular interplay between the players goes. Oh, I don't think there's any question that's the case. And you know, when you and look, I've been lucky enough to to be that close, right, where I can see them interact, and you can just tell sometimes that guys things are weighing on them, whatever that is, right. Even in normal times, right, not in a right. pandemic, there's stuff yep. going on in people's lives, right. Yep. Um, you know, we, you know, look. I wasn't there for it, but a lot of people will tell you that's that that you could see the weight of the world on LeBron's shoulders back in 2010 when he lost game six against the Celtics in what ended up being his last game in Cleveland the first time. And whatever was weighing on him, um, it, it felt obvious to people, right? The Nick Anderson game. Like, you could point back, particularly in basketball, right? Like, you can see this stuff. Hell, even in yep. football, Donovan McNabb in that Super Bowl, right? Like, oh. we know the stories of him vomiting in the huddle, right? I, I mean, those... That's really gross, by the way. I mean, it's, you know, it's very Willie Beeman. He must have uh, had but, a couple Malbecs, right, yeah, LZ? Yeah, there you yeah, go. Malbecs. Uh, but to your point, right, we don't... I do think all those things do matter, particularly when it comes to basketball, because if you don't get your mind right, your body's not going to necessarily react right. Ten seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships, your skills, your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? <laughs> Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash network. Exactly. And so that's why for me, it was an instant thing where I was like, this was a basic human nature, even if a snap judgment thing that I completely understood. Sometimes you get up, you just don't want to go to work because the world is stressing you out and you're not going to be effective if you show up and you don't want to embarrass yourself or anybody else in the process. This was all completely understandable to me from jump. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree. I guess for me, when I was referring to the gossip girl aspect of it, I wasn't trying to belittle the mental health aspect of it, just on the fact that, you know, looking forward to maybe seeing some disagreements spill out onto, onto the court or who said what to whom because we mm. want to hear about zingers and things of that nature because we also right. are intrigued by beats. Right. No, I feel you on that. That makes sense. I mean, there is a certain element of sort of just back and forth that's not really important. But you're right. I mean, uh, the, the Gossip Girl element is not ultimately important. I do want to know how they all come out of this and what they do. But ultimately, I, I just hope that these guys all come out of this whole, you know. We thought the worst threat to everybody was going to be COVID. Right. Apparently, that's not even it. You know what I mean? And that, to me, is almost the scariest thing as a black person in America. Well, look, I mean, you heard, I don't know if you heard DB on with us. Even she talked about it, right? Like, she's not not as restricted as those guys are. And she can feel the walls closing in on her, uh, you know, a little bit. So you're right. There's no question about that. Um, Let's get to actual basketball here. Uh, We'll we'll start with uh, the Clippers, since we were just talking about Paul George and work our way to the Lakers. Uh, how surprised are you at, at where we're at in this series? Because I feel like early on there was a lot of, eh, Clippers in five. This will be over relatively soon. We'll give Luka a game. And Luka has has kind of ex- showed us and expressed to us why he was a top five MVP candidate this year. Luka's had a tremendous series, and I give him all credit for even showing up 
in the next game after he played on that ankle and won it the first time around. This is another situation where I, I don't think that the ceiling is going is going necessarily any farther for the Mavs, and that's okay. You know, the Ma- the Mavs to me this season have proven everything they need to prove. Luca has showed out in the playoffs. They managed to stay around in terms of what they did to in terms of what they did against the Clippers in respectability. Okay, Chris Stapps is injured. You know, you're not exactly um, full strength all the time, although that Chris Stapps question becomes a longer-term one now. He never seems to be able to, to be on the court when it matters. That's a separate discussion. But mm. the Luka factor has proven itself. I mean, nobody thought the Mavs were going to the finals. So, you know, whatever. But the Clippers bounced back. I mean, this is why we like the playoffs. You know, there can be separate storylines for separate teams that play out over a certain amount of games. I, none of this, to me has been catastrophic for any of the teams. There's just been topside for the Mavs because they got the best moment of the NBA playoffs, if not the NBA season so far. Where do you put Luka when you hear people starting to compare him to the greats like Bird, like Magic, and like LeBron? Where do you see him? Uh, That's a good question, LZ, but I I want to – I want to lower the heat on that on that comparison level from a Mount Rushmore to what I typically do, which is where I put them on the basic playground pick them level, which is like if I'm playing in the NBA tomorrow and I got a bunch of dudes up there, who am I picking first? Yo, bro, he might be on that list. He might be top one. If I just want to win a five on five game or three on three half court game, I, I'm picking Luca. You know, he does that many things well. He he seems to be able to stay within moments as well, which is something that I think he proved very much this playoffs, and got a little yeehaw in him. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> ain't, nobody seen, ain't, ain't nobody seen him up the trash like that. You know what I mean? That yeah. was a borderline compliment that he got him that fired up in order to say something like that. I'm not trying to be funny about what it was that he said, and I understand that it went back and forth in terms of the respect level and, you know, the apologies, but like, yo, let me find out that Lucas got dudes like that that hot on the court. That means that man has some game and he's winning a couple psychological battles, which is something I want in a point guard or anybody who's the vocal leader or otherwise in my team. This dude really has it. And that's kind of where I put him right now. I'm picking him if I'm trying to win a basketball game and probably first. I I, I agree he's in that conversation. Like, look, he's an MVP candidate. He will be for a very, very long time. I told LZ the other day, he's the baddest Euro I've ever seen. Like, just just because of the attitude, right? I think more so and the outward attitude and willing to jaw at guys. Like, you don't, you haven't seen a lot of that over the years. You know what I mean? He that step back and he said, this is my S. And I just loved it. I mean, that was so... Yeah, I thought he was light-skinned for a a second. (laughs) I needed to... Like, I think Slovenian. Yes, you know. Oh, oh my yeah. God. I you know? Love it. Hey, listen, love we've all said this before. You don't mess with the war torn country, guys. Those guys exactly. are Never. a different level of tough. Like, I don't think people realize that. But yeah. um, I don't I don't know if I'm picking Luca first, George. But if it's five on five, he ain't the last pick. I'll say that. Agreed. Right. <laughs> he's, yeah. he's not the last pick. I just hate the fact that when we have a white player our first response is to compare him to Larry Bird. Yeah. No. But but yeah, well, but for no. Luca, it actually is Larry Bird. It's <laughs> like, close. Yeah. It's, it's, the, it's old close. Man, the old man game is helpful. You yeah. know what I mean? So when he got the ankle injured, it was like, oh, that actually doesn't necessarily hinder every single thing he wants to do outside of just pain management. You know what I'm saying? It doesn't actually change how he moves, which was tremendous. But you, you're right. He probably is not the last pick, but he's probably the first white guy picked. You know what I'm saying? Which is of some value on a basketball court. Let's go to the Lakers, and all of a sudden, 
everything looks rosy again, right? It didn't look rosy in the bubble uh, during the seeding games. Even in the first game, like LeBron put up a historic stat line but didn't feel like LeBron. And now what we've seen the last couple of games, 30-plus points, basically almost a triple-double with rebounds and assists, like that feels like LeBron because he's being aggressive. What are you, what are you seeing that's different from the Lakers here more recently? Well, the LeBron factor has to be I – mean, to me it has to be top one because as much as I believe that Anthony Davis is – probably the best sort of video game rating player right now in terms of ability on the team. I, I still don't think that the Lakers can win the championship unless LeBron plays the best, if that makes sense. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Like they, they, they need him. They need him to be at his tippy top. And when I see 10, 15, 12 guys around the league tweeting, oh, dang, LeBron coming. You know what I'm saying, LeBron? You see LeBron out here? LeBron's out here tearing Bama's up. Huh? We, you know, you, imagine what the text messages were like. Right. Never mind the tweets. Right. If LeBron's got the league shook, that adds an element to what he's already doing. Is that is what makes LeBron LeBron? And so, sure, you can talk about all these other things. By the way, Anthony Davis got robbed of the Defensive Player of the Year award. That's a whole other story. Mm, but I don't know LeBron on ten to me is what makes this Lakers team the best possible option, and that's what's happening right now. Yeah, you know, it, it is so amazing, especially to watch that last game. Because in the first game, to George's point, it didn't feel like LeBron. But it didn't feel like LeBron because they were doing something to him. He was just doing it to himself. And then you look and you fast forward, and the last two games, particularly the, the last game where he hit the near half-court three-pointer, you notice he's still getting to those exact same spots he got to in game one. Except this time, he's deciding to punish the Portland Trail Blazers as opposed to getting other guys involved. Yeah, he let them think that they were going to be in it for a second. And they said, oh, guess what? My name is LeBron Raymond James. <laughs> is not. Yo, quickly, though, can I say this right quick? LZ, yeah, yeah. I have to ask you about tennis. What's going on? Is my homegirl, my favorite athlete of all time, Serena Jamika Williams, going to win this tournament in Ty Margaret Court? Please tell me yes. I'll tell you yes. Now, do you want an honest answer? (laughs) She She lost to that homegirl the other day. She she had that joint. Did you watch that match? She She, had that thing in the second, lost one game, and then didn't win another. It's the conversation we've been having this entire segment, which is about the aspect of the mental health part of it. And over the last few years, the U.S. Open has been the most difficult for her mentally. And I think it's because it's the home tournament where all the pressure is on her, all the focus is on her, all the coverage is on her, the sponsors want her to do everything, and she's expected to represent America. Um, She's had a lot of disappointments recently in the U.S. Open, and I think the mental health part of it is a big part of the reason why. You saw when she broke down and and, and went off when she was facing Osaka a couple years ago in the finals. It's a lot of pressure for someone like that, so... Yeah, you know, oh, it's, I, I, yeah. So I'll say sure, you know, make you feel better, but you know, mall okay. back, dog. Get your mall back ready. Uh, yeah, <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. Oh, uh, Clinton, you're the best, man. Thanks for hanging out. Make sure you check out Clinton's work at the Undefeated Undefeated Thank you, sir. As always. Thank you, gentlemen. Have a Thank safe you, and productive weekend. Talk to y'all soon. All right, man. Take care. You too. There he is, Clinton Yates. That was fun. Even with fun. the Malbec conversation, I feel like you, you know what, all, you know. George. Because I have such respect for him, I'm going to give that wine one more again. <laughs> I'm going to give it one more again. Okay. 
All right. I'm going to try. Uh, but right well, now, but it's Jeff Green. Yeah. It's, it is Jeff Green. Right. So we'll see. But it is time in yes. the next segment, in two minutes, to uh-huh. get to our 10 red wine and food pairings for ah. National Red Wine Day. We are going to do that coming up in a second, and we're going to have traffic for you, but we're literally going to be back in two minutes. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Yeah! It is Red Red Wine Day. National Red Mm. Wine Day. We will get you your 10 red wine and food pairings in just a moment. Streaming, by the way, September 4th. Don't forget Disney's new movie, Mulan. Experience the legend of Mulan as she fights to defend her family and the kingdom. Available to Disney Plus subscribers who unlock their premiere access. Uh, what if our she buddy, loses? What's that? What if she loses? That would not be good. And then like the kingdom gets destroyed and it's like going, who sent the girl? <laughs> probably not. Yeah, probably not probably, is my guess. Not. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, especially after, you know, we saw the end of the Star Wars saga with the female uh, protagonist, right? So it's, uh, you know, it's girl power, baby. Didn't she die too? She died and then she came back and then he died. and Yeah. I mean, she did, but she still won at the end, even though she, because she came back. Spoiler alert, if you haven't seen the movie from a year ago almost. Yeah, well, I'm not, I'm not really trying to hold back if it's been more than a year. Well, not, it hasn't been more than a year because it was last Christmas, no? Oh no! It was, was it, it was two Christmases ago. Yeah, it was a while ago. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I mean, I just I'm losing track of time here. Anyway, speaking of time, it's time. Laura, keep red red wine under because I feel like that's part of that should be part of this segment as we're trying to help people pair their red wines. Today is August 28th, National Red Wine Day. So we have here LZ, a gentleman by the name of Keith Beavers. He is the tasting director for Vine Pair, which is a, uh, a magazine and uh, that obviously deals in wine. And he's giving 10 different pairings here. So the first red wine he has here is a little Italian joint called Poderi Odero, okay? And mm-hmm. uh, Poderi Odero Barbara de Alba Supiore, Okay. Uh, in Northwestern Italian wine, he says this wine is deep ruby red in color with a nose of cherry, blackberry, and small red fruits and peppers and minerals. It's been aged in French oak casts for at least 16 months, and it's great with a slight chill. He recommends it with any pasta dish with some red Ooh, sauce. With red sauce. Yes. Okay. Uh, next, we have uh, another Italian wine. Uh-huh. El Vio Conjo Brico del Merli Barbarella de Alba. Uh, also, a bright ruby red in color with intense perfumes of wild berries and spices, flavors, and reminiscent of a Morello cherries. Uh, plums and, of course, finish of raisins. Um, he believes that with this wine, you should have stuffed pasta like ravioli or agnolotti, is what he says. Like macaroni out of the can? Uh, ravioli out of the can? Or do you have no, to no, no. Like make it, make it nice. Make it nice. Okay. Yeah, right. Make it nice. That seems like a lot of work. Yeah. Ravioli is not easy. So Elvio Coño de Brico is what okay. it's called. Uh, next, we have more red wines. Uh, uh-oh, LZ, you're not going to love this. It's a Malbec. Uh, yeah. Familia Sucardi 
is what it's called. Um, Familia Zucardi is one of the best-rated wines out there, LZ. That's because it starts with superb alluvial soil in the Uco Valley of Mendoza, Argentina. And it's a superb Malbec with deep red and violet colorings, notes of strawberry, cherry, and plum. And the palate is silky. It feels light because of the acidity. The, the wine is expensive. Silky? Yeah, silky. Uh, the wine is expensive, but Zuccardi family is doing such an important such important work in Argentina to show the potential for complexity with Malbec. Uh, the wine blows his mind, he says, and it's perfect with an Argentine steak with chimichurri slathered on top. Ooh. So if you like uh, okay. skirt steak. Which is harder to find in California. Um, skirt steak, where I grew up in in Miami, is very easy to find because we have a large Argentine community. A little more challenging to find, but I have found it occasionally at my local Albertsons, Pavilions, Vons, or Ralphs. So there's a couple of it. really nice Argentinian restaurants in downtown uh, LA that I like a lot. Yeah. Next, uh, number four on the list is another Malbec LZ, according to this report. Am I being trolled? Santa Julia Reserva uh, is a blend of Malbec uh, and Cabernet Franc grapes. So it's a blend, actually. Um, it's, the nose is typical of a Malbec with aromas of reds and uh, black fruits and a little spice with chocolate and vanilla, actually. And only $13 a bottle, Santa Julia Reserva. So there you go. Real talk, this is one of the best quality-to-price red blends on the shelves. It's so balanced and smooth, the Cab Frank spices up the calm fruit of the Malbec. I would buy a case at a time and pull it out on any occasion. Um, he says, literally, you can have this with any meal that you'd like. Uh, next, he oh, says... Oh, so it's like Mad Dog. Sort of. Um, Denver Vineyards, the dirt worth worshiper. Uh, out of Paso Robles, California, absolutely worth it. It is a higher price red, the nose of the fragrant with blackberries, olive, tapenade, white pepper, and a bit of campfire smoke. Uh, while the palate is savory to the bone with blackberry, sassafras, and black anise. The wine hands down one of my favorite wines, he says. It's such a great example of how diverse American wine is. Uh, Napa and Sonoma make great wines, but there's so much more out there. Paso Robles is killing it. This wine is herby. And impeccable with balance. It is perfect with a rack of lamb. Hmm. So there you have it. So a little rack of lamb with Denver Vineyards, the dirt worshiper. Next, we have Tablas Creek Pataline de Tablas. A 2017 blend uh, from Rhone Valley. Uh, includes Syrah, Grenache, Morvedre, and Cunois, I believe is the way you say it. Uh, it has received impeccable ratings across the board. Uh, Tablas Creek. And uh, it says, oh, give me a sunny afternoon with some burgers, fries, and a potato salad. And you can have this wine. It's the perfect combination. Tablas Creek with burger and fries. Um, oh, that sounds like something I would actually do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Uh, got three more for you real quick. Okay. Uh, next, we've got D66 Grenache, okay? D66. I love Grenache. Yes, by Grenache. Uh, yes. D66 Grenache, a deeply dark and dense profile with plum, candied violet, and cassis. A sip of explosion of exotic flavors. Mm. Um, and it's velvety, sexy, and full of flavor, LZ, it says. Uh, maybe I'm a Grenache. Yeah. Uh, old vine Grenache that comes from a small town in France. The um, Beck says, go big or go home. Pair this with a decidedly French wine, or th this decidedly French wine, with a hearty coque of vin. Uh, that's a French dish. So, uh, mm -hmm. Next, we have Archimedes, 
I believe that's the way I, you're supposed to pronounce this. Pronounce this. Archimedes Cabernet Sauvignon. Uh, the product of a cold, wet winter ended in a long, dry summer. The result of this dramatic and expressive bottle full of vibrant aromas like plum, blackberry, jam. Uh, the palate is filled with red and black fruits, and the finish has a hint of spicy cocoa. Uh, this wine from Sonoma Valley, he says, uh, gets all the northwest sun exposure, ideal for ripening, and produces some of the best Cabernet in Sonoma. He says a nice piece of steak or red meat. Of any oh, I thought you were going to say a nice piece of something else. I'm would glad go well. that up. Thank yes. you. Yes, yes, yes I did. Uh, here's an interesting one. The, this is uh, one you can get pretty much anywhere. Uh, the Diamond Collection Gold Tier Claret, that is the Francis Ford Coppola wine uh, collection. Ooh. It's a Bordeaux. It uses Bordeaux uh, as a – it's a mix. And uh, it's a Bordeaux uh, as well as a Cabernet. And it also is blended with a Malbec and Cabernet Franc. Uh, a classic bottle that I continue to revisit with our diamond collection, Claret. Uh, the charm comes from art of blending, uh, which provides consistency and authenticity. Authenticity, excuse me, with the wine. Beck uh, recommends the pairing with pesto, uh, pasta, or maybe with some barbecue pork chops. Ooh, I can grill some chops. Yeah. And then lastly, we've got one more, Dow Vineyards, which is another uh, wine you could find uh, pretty much at every grocery store here in Southern California. It is their Dow Vineyards Cabernet 2018. Elegant and silky reds pack a powerful punch, and its complexity and layers are what make it so appealing and intriguing. Uh, on the nose, you'll find uh, currant, black cherry, cedar, and eucalyptus, while finishing leaves lingering notes of sweet cherry and boysenberry. I don't even know what boysenberry is, but it sounds delicious. Um, well, you know, they make jam out of it. Oh, they do? I had no yeah. idea. Uh, yes, but he also says that a nice uh, uh, um, roast of some kind uh, is okay, uh, preferably something more rare, something that you can cook more rare. So there you have Ooh. it. So those are your 10 red wine and food pairings on National Red Wine Day. I love that. I can definitely do the burger and fries thing. You started talking about rack of lamb and stuff like that. That really takes some involvement, and I really like to drink. So I, I don't know if there's going to be any alcohol left by the time the food is done. Yeah. Laura, yeah. what was that? You guys were too fancy for me. I was like, uh, cheap wine. I mean, I'm 32. I'm kind of getting involved. Yeah, but I in gave you thing. a couple of them that are that are not expensive. There were a couple in there. There was one that was thirteen dollars. Santa Julia. Uh, okay, you're right. You're. Right. I'll give you that. But I guarantee you, I would. <laughs> Greg even said, uh, what? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you, Laura. That was, was a like, whole, I'm a, I'm that was a a whole cheap, bunch of nonsense. I'm like, mind. I'm a cheap person. I, okay, maybe not cheap on alcohol, but like cheap wine. You can get so such a good bottle of wine without spending money. I'm like, um, y'all need to teach me more stuff because. I'm go I was telling Karen and she's like big lots. I'm like, girl, I went to the 99 cent store. They had a good bottle of wine there, 12 percent alcohol. It was bomb. It was like three ninety nine. She she's great. buying from she, Big Lots. She, she didn't tell us red or white. She didn't say <laughs> Merlot or Chardonnay. She said the percentages of alcohol. It was good. It was. <laughs> and from Big Lots. That's where you're going for. I know oh, exactly. Oh no, I said ninety nine cent store. We were trying exactly to have a what I'm getting for we you. were trying to have a teaching moment, but also letting you know some like the one I mentioned the ones that are expensive. I mentioned no, you and, did. and I mentioned the ones that aren't expensive. You did. So Santa Julia uh, is a good way to go if you want something that's like 
you know, if $13 is in your price range, that's fine. Uh, and there are a couple of these that are expensive, which I referenced at the top. The other ones are like mid-priced. They're like 20 something dollars. So there's not, you know, it just depends on what you want to spend. I don't got it like y'all yet. So <laughs> So here's what I'll do. For those that want that want that, you know, want to actually visualize it, I will tweet it at Sedano. S E D A N O. I will put it out on Twitter during this commercial break. I have breaking news. Uh-oh. Mad Dog has now moved up to second place on our poll. Cabernet is still the preferred red wine of listeners for National Red Wine Day, but Mad Dog 2020 that Greg is too sophisticated to drink is now in second I don't even know what it is. Followed by Merlot and then Malbec at 16%. I've had Malbec. my point, which is still trying. Yes. So we have we, to start the show, we somehow got into the alcohols because we started talking about National Red Wine Day. The alcohols that have made us uh, sick, basically. The worst alcohol we've had. And there was a lot of Mad Dog 2020. There was a lot of Mickey's. There was a lot of Night Train. There was a lot of Old English. Uh, but Four Locos, 877-710-ESPN. Feel free to tell us how awful those drinks were for you and which one was the worst one by far and your worst experience. 877-710-ESPN, 877-710-3776. Also, in the next segment, you'll hear from Danny Green and Frank Vogel as they had some things to say as the Lakers are getting ready to take on the Blazers beginning tomorrow. Coverage begins at 4 o'clock on this very station. So we'll have that for you in a second. Stick around. We are back in two minutes. Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. What you need to know, Sedano and LZ with you, is that basketball is back. And we will get into the Lakers and Blazers here in a second. You'll hear from Frank Vogel and Danny Green, who had some comments uh, about continuing the games this weekend. Again, our coverage begins at 4 o'clock tomorrow here on 710 ESPN. But the games are as follows, LZ. We've mm-hmm. got Game 5 of the Magic and Bucks, which obviously we all remember how this all uh, got started. And the uh, boycotts got started with the Milwaukee Bucks. That game will resume 12.30 Pacific, followed by the Thunder and Rockets at 3.30. Blazers and Lakers at 6 o'clock in the nightcap uh, on TNT and, of course, on Spectrum Sports. So that is our Saturday slate. What? Give me a quick hit on what you think happens in those three games. For Saturday's game, obviously I think the two top seeds finish off. So the game is really about, or the question is really about who takes the lead, the Clippers versus Mavs. I'm going to say the Mavs take the lead. Okay. You think, no, you're saying the Thunder and the Rockets. Oh, yes, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I was like the Mavs. Wait, I was, I was confused like, uh, for a second. Yeah, I was confused too because they're, they're, they're both two two, and I jumped uh, jumped ahead to the Clippers. Well, no, the Clippers are now three two. The Clippers are three two in that series. Hello, LZ. Okay, I think he's gone. Uh, we might have lost him there. Uh, Thunder and Rockets. Uh, I actually think the Rockets win because Russ comes back. Because good God. Is uh, let me know when LZ's back. Uh, Greg Bergman, 
if the Rockets lose in Russell Westbrook's first game back, oh, LZ is back. So the I'm hell back. with you, Greg. We'll get you later. If the Rockets okay. somehow lose in that game, we'll get back to you in a second because I have a bone to pick with you, Bergman. Um, if the Rockets find a way to lose the first game Russ plays, how hot will the takes be on Monday? Well, I I believe that the takes are going to be hot win or lose because this series should have been a sweep if the Rockets were who we thought they were, given the fact they have two MVPs in the backcourt. So I, I think the takes, regardless of the outcome on Saturday, are going to be hot just because of the expectations of what the Rockets are supposed to be. Okay, fair enough. And then on Sunday's games, we have game one of the Eastern Conference semis. Uh, Celtics-Raptors at 10 a.m. Pacific, followed by Clippers-Mavericks at 12.30 Pacific. That is game six as the Clippers lead three games to two. And then game six of Nuggets-Jazz in the late game at 5.30 Pacific, where the Jazz lead that series three games to two. LZ, what happens? Celtics-Raptors, go. Celtics-Raptors, oh my God, this series is so hard. I believe the Raptors are going to win the series, but I believe that Jason Tatum is going to have an incredible performance okay so you think raptors win the series what do you think who wins game one does game one raptors. matter to you raptors win game one okay yeah because you you know we have all these stats right game one game three game five if you win those games the percentages are usually through the roof when you win you know to win the series i, I, I think the raptors have a chance to actually sweep they're playing that well wow oh i didn't think that <laughs> i feel like they're, they're i think playing, this is they're playing six... that well man yeah the celtics have played them pretty tight during the season though so i i feel like this could be a long series but uh that's just me i like raptors to win the series in like six or seven uh clippers and mavericks i think the clippers finish off the mavericks i think that uh you know luca did the one had the one game without porzingis and uh well technically two right because he got tossed in the first half of the other one but right um I think that the Clippers have now a firm grip on this thing. I don't know if they have a firm grip. I, I certainly believe that if the game was going back to Dallas, that the, that the Mavericks would probably win that game. But because they're in the bubble, you're asking this team to come up with its own energy. And I always feel like it's harder to close out a series than it is to stay alive. So I'm still going to give the, the, the Dallas Mavericks a puncher's chance, even though they don't have the faulty unicorn. <laughs> uh, Nuggets Jazz uh, I'd like to see the Nuggets win and, and I think because I just want a series to go seven in the first round and I felt like coming in these two teams were evenly matched and the games have been relatively close outside of one blowout in game two uh, with the Jazz but I I'd like to see a game seven I'm just gonna I'm just gonna say that I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna bring it uh, wish it to into existence right speak it into existence like LeVar used to say yeah, I'm with you for very, very selfish reasons. Why is that? I just I just want to see Donovan and Jamal Murray go oh, at yeah. it a few more times. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Like, I, I, I honestly don't care who ultimately wins game seven. I just want them to have a game seven because these two guys have been putting on a hell of a performance. Yeah, no, they've been incredible. I don't think there's any question about it. They have been putting up some of the best individual performances uh, during the postseason in the bubble. All right, that's what you need to know. We've got a lot of people on hold at 877-710-ESPN, which we will get to in just a second, 877-710-3776. Uh, Laura, I know that Frank Vogel and Danny Green spoke um, prior to today or in today's media session. Frank Vogel had a specific 
piece of audio that I want to hear, and Laura, hopefully you have it. Um, he talks about the adversity, but he, he laid a specific claim about the Lakers when dealing with adversity, and I want you guys to hear it. Let's hear it. Yeah, it was, it was a heavy couple of days, but um, you know, our, our group has a uh, – we, we have a PhD in, in handling adversity by now. So uh, we, we've been through a lot this year, and um, you know, it was good for our guys. I wanted to have a, a mentally light day today uh, where we just really hit the floor and got right to playing, right to scrimmaging. And, um, you know, I feel like it was good for our guys to just get back on the court. I mean, he ain't wrong. The Lakers have been through a lot. I mean, we forget how long this season has been, but the Lakers have been through as much as anyone. Yeah, I would say more than anyone, given what happened on January 26th, right? Right. And the relationships um, from the entire organization. You know, when I talk about the PhD that Frank Vogel is speaking of, I'm not just talking about the impact that it has on the players. But, you know, Kobe grew up within the Laker organization. So the staff members, Jeannie, I mean, the entire franchise was rocked by it. And then you add everything else that the franchise has had to deal with, like everyone else in terms of the pandemic. And I agree 100% with them. They got a PhD, man, because I don't know a lot of franchises. Put it this way. A weaker locker room wouldn't have claimed the number one seed in the West afterwards. Yeah. No, that's true. That that is true. I, I I agree with you. They they have been through a ton of adversity, a ton, an emotional roller coaster all season long. So when you know when he talks about what they've faced, including just you know what we've already detailed over the last couple of days, right, and just everything that uh, goes along with that, that that's enough for most people. Let alone the stuff they dealt with back on January 26, as you mentioned. We're gonna get to the phones here in just a second. We also have Danny Green sound and. You know, I know that mental health for some people, particularly men, LZ, we talked about this a little yesterday, can be a little taboo. Mm -hmm. But I'm glad more and more players are talking about this openly. We had Doris Burke on earlier. Even she's talking about, look, I, don't, I have more freedoms than these guys as far as mobility because I'm not in the as restrictive a tier here in the bubble. And even I feel the walls are closing in on me a little bit. Here's Danny Green on kind of the mental health situation with the Lakers and really all the players in the bubble. We know, you know, we're tired of being in here. We want our families here, but our families are right here. Some of them are already quarantined right outside the bubble, so they're on their way in here. Some of them are about to fly here in a couple of days. Um, so we know that's going to make things better for us, but you know, we're all caught in two different places and trying to make a decision within five or six hours of something we woke up to, you know, in the middle of the day when we were planning to play a game. Not going to make a good, great decision. Yeah, you know, it, it. You know, I don't think we put all of this stuff into account. You know what I'm saying? Like when we think about what these guys are going through. And I know it's very easy to go, oh, boo-hoo, you make millions of dollars. But, you know, millions of dollars doesn't mean you're not human. No, it, it doesn't. And, you know, you know, we as an industry need to take some blame or responsibility for that narrative too, George, because many of us, particularly who – lean on the commentary side, mm -hmm. you know, we are quick to point to how much an athlete is being paid when it talks about their performances, right? You're getting paid millions of dollars to do X, Y, and Z. Why can't you do it? Blah, blah, right. blah, right. blah, blah. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, we, we, we do do that. So, you know, it's, it's important that as we watch these games that we respect and honor just how difficult it is for them to do what they're being asked to do. This is part of the reason why, you know, baseball players initially pushed back. And I'll admit, I was one of those critics who says, man, look, the pandemic, 
people are just needing some sort of hope. It's a bubble. You, you can bring your families, you know, to Arizona or Florida, or whatever. What are you complaining about? Well, just because you're rich and just because you're placed in a nice hotel, there is something taxing about knowing that you can't leave. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It might be a, a nice prison, but it's still a, it's somewhat of a prison and it can take a toll on people. And, you know, I'm going to try and do a better job of factoring that in as I criticize Paul George for not being clutch or whatever. I criticize whatever athlete for not being whatever I think they should be based upon what they make is that they're also human. And that's part of the equation, too. And we need to respect that. Agreed wholeheartedly. 877-710-ESPN if you want to hop aboard and get in on the conversation. Uh, We have been having a fun conversation because it is National Red Wine Day, uh, but we somehow got into the conversation of all the awful liquors that you have growing up and that uh, your your worst young alcoholic experience, and usually they're highlighted by Four Locos, uh, Mickey's, Mad Dog 2020, Cisco, etc. And uh, we've been taking calls on that, having some fun with that. Uh, Let's go to Marcus in Studio City. Marcus, what's up? How's it going? Hey. What's up, sir? All right, man. Just wanted to chime in on uh, some of the things that you guys were uh, already talking about uh, in terms of, uh, you know, the bubble and all the stuff that's going on in there, man. It's psychologically, you know, uh, incomprehensible for those guys. I can only imagine uh, what it's like being being basically in, like, I guess you could say like a good jail, you know. It's almost like being in jail. I would I would imagine, uh, except you you know you get to do a lot of things within there, but you can't go out. You, can't, you know your family. You can talk to them, but it's not the same. No, no. As and thank you for the call. As LZ alluded to, you know what I mean. Like it's just really one of those things where, um, you know. It, and, and, you know, there's the beginning part of it, right, where you're isolating and you're in your room for several days. Now, the players actually did it less than the media, LZ. As you know, the LZ, uh, the media had to quarantine for seven days without leaving the room only to get tested. And I would imagine that was a bit of a grind when you talk to people uh, that had to endure that aspect of it as well. So uh, certainly a lot tougher than it looks. And I hope, as you asked Doris, right, like do you think fans will appreciate – winning a championship. I hope they do. I don't know the answer to that. We can ask the folks who are on the line and get a sense and people can tweet us or whatever. But I, I, I hope that they do because this isn't easy. And I think most of us understand, at least on this side, um, that this is a more challenging event than anyone maybe had anticipated. I mean, it's absolutely bonkers when you think about it. And I, and I hate coming back to his name over and over again. But it's only because I really am amazed and respect what he voluntarily puts on his shoulders. I mean, LeBron James is trying to win a championship. He's already chasing his own individual goals in terms of NBA folklore. And on top of that, he's got his all his other projects that he's working on before, you know, the pandemic, the movies, the production companies, blah, 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 blah. He's got his school. And then on top of that, he is both a leader in the movement and a target of those who are opposed to the movement. Right. And he's trying to juggle all of that and he can't even leave the bubble. <laughs> right. It's a lot, man. Yeah. It's it is. a lot. It is a lot. Let's go to Brandon in Inglewood. What's up, Brandon? Brandon. 
Brandon? Hello. Hey. Hello. Hello, Hello? Brandon. Yes, sir. There we go. How we how we doing? Happy Good. Friday to you, gentlemen. Happy Friday indeed, Happy Friday. my man. Yep. I wanted to chime in on the, the worst alcohol you guys are talking about. <laughs> okay. Yes, sir. What you got for us? Basically, uh, I was I was younger. I used to see the effects of uh, that MD 2020. I thought that was juice, man. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was juice until you see somebody face first in the toilet. Yeah, yeah. That's usually how that goes. There is. Uh, exactly. uh, oh, man. I, it sneaks I, up on you, don't it? It does, yeah, because it tastes okay, at least in theory. Um, and it looks and it looks like juice. It looks and it, it looks refreshing. It does it look does. refreshing. Yes, that is a great way to describe it. It does look refreshing, Brandon. Thank you for the call. Uh, it, but but not so it, refreshing when you're vomiting. It's just like you know, long got a nice teas, man. Yeah, you mess around and think a long got a nice tea is quenching your thirst, and next thing you know, you're on the floor. Right. Yeah. No doubt. Or so I'm told. Yeah, absolutely. Let's go to Z in Panorama City. Z. What's going on, fellas? How's everybody doing? And lady, thank you for taking my call. Yes, sir. Um, first and foremost, I want to thank, uh, congratulate you both on the new show. Uh, I think uh, you two are doing an excellent job. LZ, we kind of miss you in the morning. But um, anyway, I'm going to chime in on the uh, worst alcohol. I'd have to say it would be the Four Loco. First time I drank it, it was like three or four of them, you know, the tall boys. And... Uh, I blacked out, woke up on my uh, living room couch the next day with a bunch of red, uh, I'm not even going to say, it was a, uh, it came up from uh, my stomach, basically. And uh, ever since then, I, I can't touch that stuff. So, uh, yeah, Four Loco is definitely a killer. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, Laura got all excited. Laura, like, literally jumped in our, in our ears, Dang. Laura. You were very excited. You you are a four loco stand. Like if there's such a thing, you're a four well, loco stand. I just I was so uh, surprised that you didn't know what it was, and I was after like, my time. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But still, that's like even Janice is like, man, come on, how do you not know? I'm like, because right. you're ten years younger than me or more. <laughs> that's why. George, George, Ariana Grande is past my time, but I at least know what she mm. looks like, George. But you did you know what four loco was? Greg did. Yes. I did not. Not me, man. Yes, and you only need you, one. You know why, George? Because deep down inside, I'm just basic, George. I'm basic as hell. Oh, I'm not. I'm and, fancy as hell. I know you are. <laughs> I ain't gonna lie. I left all. I left basic back. You know, when I was in. You know, I don't know. I, I left basic back in like 2004. <laughs> George, I know that you know I'm not lying when I tell you this. I'm still roach clipping, dog. Come on, man. You make a lot of money. What are you doing? No, no, you're not. You're, I don't He's believe lying. that. No way. I, get get Steve on Come the line on. right now. Get, I, I can show you my ashtray, dog. Take a picture right now and send it to me. All right, hold on. I don't believe that for a second. I don't believe that for one minute. Not one. No. No, I'm not. I'm going to show you this picture, and you can just Text me. it in the group chat right now. All right, I'm sending like a picture. I'm getting the ashtray right now. And I'm going to send a picture. I don't believe Like you're standing behind the grocery store with your friends just being like, hold on, they won't see us. Wait, what? <laughs> not doing it that badly. But no, I'm keeping... <laughs> hold on one second. Here you go. You guys are going to have it. I just don't want to lose my signal. Hold on. One, two, yeah. I am still saving and, and savoring the very last ends... 
of my stuff. I, I'm waiting for this picture. I don't want to go hold to on. break until this picture comes through. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Uh, oh, Mac is on hold? Okay, then you know we got to go to break. We will discuss this. We will return to this after Mac. I sent uh, it. The I Mac show uh, will we'll begin in just a moment. We will be back. Oh, for the love of God, LZ. Uh, we will be back in 90 seconds with Mac. But first, Karen K with traffic. I told you I was basic. I'm oh, gosh, I'm basic, too. I love you. I love you for that. Someone send me that. I need to see that picture, please. I don't judge. 